Hey, you hungry? This hockey season, Domino's has you covered. How about enjoying the game with a large four-topping pizza for only $11.99? But Domino's is more than just pizza. Add in some delicious side dishes like pasta or chicken wings. And don't forget to try the irresistible marbled cookie brownie for dessert. Whether it's watching the big game, in a hurry, or just because. Trust Domino's to satisfy that hunger. Head on over to dominoes.ca to order now. That's dominoes.ca. Get the meaning behind the numbers and more. This is TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050, the voice of hockey. Back for the final edition of TSN Hockey Analytics for this season. Season 4 coming up in the books. Great show for you today, folks. Travis Yost from TSN.ca starts it off in just a few moments. Jamie Thomas, Jets TV insider, talks some Winnipeg Jets. James Harding, DraftKingsNHL.com for some fantasy hockey talk. And then Scott Cullen with Heroes and Zeros from TSN.ca. CA. Let's head now to the Domino's.ca delivery line. And folks, hey, you want to watch the hockey game this season? You want to get fed? How about a large four-topping pizza, eleven ninety-nine, or a medium feast pizza for ten ninety-nine? You got side dishes, pasta, boneless chicken, marbled cookie brownie for dessert. Check it all out at Domino's.ca. One more time in the leadoff spot, Travis Yost from TSN.ca. Travis, how's it going, man? Uh, I just want to say four seasons puts us ahead of Boardwalk Empire, and I believe we catch <laughs> Parks and Recreation effectively next year. Yes. Yeah. You know what? That's a good idea. We should compare how many like popular TV series that we surpass. It's coming up. It's coming up. That's great. My, my target is my target is to go out on a high note, season nine, just like Seinfeld. That's right. Just go out on top, walk away. That's perfect. That means <laughs> we still get paid for five more years. So that's good with me. Uh, Travis, let's let's start with the the seesaw battle between the Washington Capitals and the Pittsburgh Penguins, and the series is tied at two. Game five coming up. Do you feel the three game suspension of Tom Wilson has made the difference for the Capitals, or has his absence been inconsequential to the success of Pittsburgh? I, I, I think it's mostly inconsequential. I mean, we're talking about a thirty five point guy. Let's mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. let's not distort the. It, whether, let's say you're a Tom Wilson fan. On his best days, on his best nights, what he's going to do is create a little bit of disruption further down the lineup. And when they do move him occasionally up the lineup, he's a nuisance to play against. I, I think players are watching him out of the corner of the eye. But like this, this is not a 25-goal guy that you take out of the lineup for two, three games and you're like, well, where's the offense going to come from? I mean, he's he's a pure... I'm going to hit you in questionable spots of the mm-hmm. ice and chip in very occasionally in the offensive zone and nothing more. I, again, 35 points, by the way, was a career high, I believe, this year. So, again, we're not talking about a super impact player here. Um, I, I do think, though, I do think what's interesting here is how he went from walking with no, with no discipline in Game 3, or sorry, Game 2, to a three-game suspension. Is it yeah. is it all because of the injury, I, it, I looked at both hits, and I thought they were both bad. I thought they were both the type of plays that they're, the NHL is trying to get rid of, and that the only difference was that the second one ended with player injury and a, a jaw surgery. And I, I, I do wonder, again, I know the NHL has said publicly that they take these injuries into consideration, but if, if there's, are, they, are they objecting to the hit, or are they objecting to the hit because of the injury? I, I think that's an important question. I don't, I'm not sure I heard the answer to that question yet. I just wish the league could, and 
it doesn't seem to matter who's in charge, Travis, can just somehow, and I'm not saying it's an easy job, but somehow just make it known, if you do this, this will happen. Because there's still disparity, there's still changes, as you just mentioned with the Tom Wilson thing. Okay, if he, the guy didn't need surgery. Does, I, are you down to I, one I game? Like, fine, and I was fine with him going out for that extended period of time. Like These guys, these types of junk hits, will stay unless you really lay the law down. Yeah. And that when he picked up a three-game suspension was perfectly appropriate. That was a garbage play. Um, a, a, a Vander Kane suspension was a no-brainer, in my opinion. And so I think they were getting that right. But then, then you look at these other hits, like the initial Tom Wilson hit from game two and a few others that we've seen in the playoffs, and there's been nothing. And, and it's still not fully clear to me. And, I, you know, again, they've had so many different people in charge that it's kind of a bit of a moving target, so we kind of have to adjust and calibrate accordingly. But I, I just still don't know, outside of like a full-blown kill shot to the head, yeah. what type of hit will render a suspension yet. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to uh, Alex Ovechkin. And when you evaluate him over his career, right now he's obviously much closer to the end than the beginning. But if the Caps don't advance past the Pens this season, in this series, would you have any hope left at all if it, he's ever going to not just win a series, win a cup? Like, it just seems he's kind of like one of those all time greats that's just stuck in a situation that he's, he's snake bitten by. Yeah, well, I think a lot of that's going to come down to two things. One, what's his longevity curve look like? And mm. so far, it's been ridiculous. I mean, the guy, the guy was a leading goal scorer in the NHL this year by a pretty considerable margin. Yeah. Um, and the the second piece, so basically, you got to fade degradation in his performance. The second piece is it has always been, and will always be true for any one player in the NHL is what is the front office doing to build around him? And right. I, I think that it, it's just so there's so much history here that it's almost hard to have a discussion in good faith because, you know, we watched the 2007 team, the 2009 team. I mean, these were elite, elite hockey teams. I think the 2009 team has an argument as being one of the three or four best teams that we've seen in the last decade, and they they didn't win the Cup. Uh, it just there have been iteration after iteration where there's always some reason. In the earlier years, they always seemed to either run into a hot goalie or a better team, and then they had this like weird middle stretch of the career where they tried to become this like defensive-minded, mm. scrubalicious team that just had Alex Ovechkin <laughs> scoring in the, the that little two-three-year run post Bruce Boudreau. And now, now they have again they have a pretty a pretty strong core, but the age of the roster is probably on the wrong side of where you want to be in that discussion as well. And they've got some cap issues there. I, I don't know exactly how how they manage around it in the next few years. If you actually look, there, there's going to be a cap crunch here, and I think a lot of it, you know, I think the first domino to fall is going to be John Carlson um, and what Washington does there. I don't know that they'll be able to re-sign him. And, there, and you kind of just go down the list. There's going to be a handful of players that are coming up or coming due that Washington's not going to be able to retain, and these guys are already instrumental to make Washington, I don't know, a top eight team in the league. If you lose them, what do they look like, and how can you replace them? So much of it's going to come back to – can they draft guys on entry-level deals and actually have them develop, develop right out of the gates? Um, and, and, again, it's the other question, uh, getting back to it, is how long can Ovechkin remain this top two, top three, top one goal scorer in the NHL? I can't imagine it will last for much longer, but, you know, I bet against a guy in the past, and I've been wrong <laughs> every time. In conversation with Travis Yost from TSN.ca on Twitter, at Travis Yost. Okay, Travis, the Sharks versus Golden Knights series. It's really come back down to earth, developing into a tight series here. We all thought that it might be, despite 
Vegas' 7-zip game one win. Are you seeing any red flags in the Golden Knights game, or is this just a case of San Jose playing like the team that they were in the regular season? Uh, I, I think I think the matchup has been pretty competitive, and I, and I think to your point, I think we are seeing now what San Jose looked like in the second half of the season. Right, they're a faster team, they're a more productive team in the offensive zone, a more threatening team in the offensive zone. Uh, you know, some of that is because they've got weapons like Evander Kane, but I mean, Tomas Hurdle's having a fantastic series for them. He's been an unbelievable playmaker. I, it, it's been such a compelling series, just like the Nashville Winnipeg series. There is so much speed and pace on the ice; it, it's blistering to a point that if there's a guy on a roster that's like an average skater or an average thinker in terms of how fast he wants to play, he immediately is exposed. I mean, it, it's the, there's there's only like two or three guys in each series, but and not to pick on John Merrill, but if you watch kind of John Merrill um, in this Vegas San Jose series is one example, you can kind of see, if you watch him, it, it seems still that he's a step too slow, and normally that'd be perfectly fine. Like, you can get by through it, but the speed of the game is so fast that these types of players become immediately exposed uh, because of it. Now, I will say, though, the, the part – there is one interesting data point, and I'm not sure what to make of it, but the rate at which San Jose is blocking Vegas shots versus vice versa is almost 2-1. to one. So if, if you've noticed, the shot attempts in the games are pretty comparable every single night, whether Vegas has won or lost, whether San Jose has won or lost. But the shots on goal have been slanted, tilted – three out of four games now to San Jose and by a considerable margin. And a lot of it is because San Jose is getting into these shooting lanes and it, it predominantly blocking these shots from the point that Vegas, uh, Vegas is bread and butter. At least one of the two uh, ways that they created a lot of offense was, you know, these, these soft shots from the line where they'd collect rebounds or create secondary scoring chances. They don't exist right now. I mean, San Jose is blocking a ton of them. I think you have to give credit to Peter DeBoer and his team for that. Um, but that, that's that been something I've been watching now for the last couple of games because I think that goes back to can Vegas generate pressure inside in those dangerous scoring areas. We saw it in game four. I mean, you'll you'll talk a lot about Marc-Andre Fleury, you know, whiffing on that, that shot and, you know, Eric Holla not back-checking on one of the goals. But the, the the other part that I don't think we should lose focus of is Martin Jones had a shutout, and, yeah, he was good in spots, but I, I, don't, I didn't think Vegas was as threatening because they were being kept more to the perimeter in game four. So – Definitely something uh, that that's that's not occurred very frequently this year. So I'm curious to see what happens uh, game five here. And Travis, last one for you here because this is our season finale. We have to turn ourselves into a, a fortune tellers a little bit, predicting the future. What you've seen so far in the player in the playoffs coming out of that? How do you see things playing out the rest of the way? Who do you think is going to make it to the Stanley Cup Finals and ultimately win this thing? Uh, I, I I like Tampa Bay in the East. Um, I I think I think I wrote for my second round column that Tampa Bay of the eight teams probably had the most favorable draw. I, I think Boston is an incredible team. I just thought they were banged up, no rest going against a team fully rested. They're too deep. They're too talented. And because of that, if I'm most confident in Tampa Bay of the eight teams advancing in the second round then it really just comes down to them beating one of Pittsburgh or Washington. I really don't like picking ever against Pittsburgh, but I I will say that I I just like Tampa Bay's spot they're in right now. And let's be honest, Pittsburgh hasn't even beaten Washington yet in the second-round series either. That series is tied up at two. So I'll take Tampa Bay in the east. Um, Out west, I I think I am going to ride with Winnipeg. I I just – 
They they have – I think they have to answer for the wrinkle that Nash, Nashville threw an interesting one at them. They slowed the game down in game four, which we have never seen Nashville do. <laughs> Nashville's only answer is to play faster at all times. And I think, strategically, they saw that Winnipeg was probably one of the two teams that could not only do that, but generate just as many scoring chances against as Nashville could playing at that type of speed. Nashville clogged up the neutral zone much better in game four. Um, they played a more defensive-minded game, relied more on counterattacking opportunities. Uh, but I think Winnipeg will have an adjustment, will have an answer for that. And quite frankly, I think the winner of that series is better than either of San Jose or Vegas. So I'm going to go with the Tampa Bay-Winnipeg Stanley Cup, which that's my <laughs> guess. Although if I had to pick a caveat, I would put Pittsburgh-Winnipeg in there. So Tampa Bay or Pittsburgh versus Winnipeg. And uh, I, I would say, though, Tampa Bay-Winnipeg, would be the most entertaining matchup in the world, but I'm not sure Gary Bettman and the ratings club is that much yeah, either. Yeah, not exactly the highest uh, market. Uh, <laughs> the most popular <laughs> market raise, but no, that'd be a lot of fun. Travis, listen, man, you brought it every week just like you have through the previous four seasons. Thank you so much. All right, man. You too, Andy. Take care now. That was Travis Yost from tsn.ca. A must follow on Twitter at Travis Yost and his great work on tsn.ca. Make sure you check that out. All right, off to Winnipeg we go next. Travis Yost says the Jets are his pick to get to the Stanley Cup final. We'll chat with Jamie Thomas from Jets TV, their insider. See if he agrees. A lot more coming up on TSN Hockey Analytics. Win line, he scores! Patrick Line with 49.6 seconds on the clock. Power play marker for Line his third of the playoffs, and the Jets are on the board. Welcome back to TSN Hockey Analytics here on TSN 1050 Toronto across the TSN radio network. I'm Andy McNamara. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at TSN Analytics at AndyMC81. You can follow us and subscribe on iTunes as well as the TSN 1050.ca show page. Joining me now on the Domino's delivery line, and folks, you know it. You're watching hockey this weekend? Get yourself some pizza large, four topping, just $11.99. Check out the side dishes too. Pasta, boneless chicken, marbled cookie brownie for dessert, carryout and delivery options all at dominoes.ca. My good buddy from Jets TV, Jamie Thomas. Jamie, how's it going, man? Great, Andy. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing well. Uh, Listen, the Jets, what a season it's been so far. It's rolling along. They were just edged out the other night, 2-1. to Now the series with Nashville is tied up at two apiece. How are you feeling entering Game 5? Well, I was a little shocked because uh, after Game 4, not because the Jets lost, but because the score was so low. And, you know, Game 1 was five goals. Game two was nine, and then you got 12 in game three, so you're expecting more uh, offensive firepower uh, in terms of goals in game four. But you, know, you have to give Nashville a lot of credit when they're up 2 nothing. They just really did a great job of uh, clogging the neutrals and making sure the Jets couldn't get in on their defensemen. So adjustments will be made. Jets are going to have to skate a little bit faster, get the puck in behind their D a lot better than they did in game four. But uh, the one thing I've noticed in this series is just teams keep adapting, keeping, you know, adjusting to what the other team is doing and doing it well. So I expect. Uh, a lot more fireworks in Game 5 than there was in Game 4. Yeah, it's been a fun series so far. Uh, now, let's look big picture here, uh, Jamie. The mm-hmm. Jets coming out party, man. 27-18, really saw the rest of the league notice 
Winnipeg superstar players other than Patrick Laine on the roster as well. The, yeah. the, the name of the game is, is really to try and win for as long as you can, obviously. So was this season the first one in which the Jets really begin, in your mind, a run of sustained success, a la the Penguins, Blackhawks, teams like that? Yeah, I, I think so. And a lot of the building goes into this, right? I mean, mm-hmm. this is, it hasn't just happened overnight. It's been a seven-year process, and there's not many organizations that have the patience for that allowed to happen. There's no question that you know Kevin Sheveldayoff was given a you know a lot of work to be done when the when the Atlanta Thrashers moved to Winnipeg. But this has slowly been building. You you know they made the playoffs in 2015, but made a bigger decision to get younger. And I mean, it, it's turned out right. It's, all you got to do is look at their draft boards especially in the first round uh, since they came back, you know, starting with Mark Scheifele in 2011. And you can even look back last year, Christian Veselainen, who's uh, I'm not necessarily going to say going to be here next year, but very soon that he comes along. So they've had good drafting. Uh, they've been very patient in terms of not overspending in terms of uh, free agent signings over the years. And now that they've got to this point, their patience has paid off. And, uh, you know, it's not like, they're going to be in trouble next year. It's a long, sustained drive. I think that they got building up here in Winnipeg. And Jamie, it's not like when we were kids, and you know, you could you could play. Okay, hey, trade this guy for this guy, no problem, and just play fantasy GM. Like you need to have yeah. an accountant when you're playing make believe here, right? <laughs> to, to, to figure out all the salary yeah, exactly. cap issues. It's crazy. Yeah, you gotta, what they've done, and Kevin Shoveldayoff and Paul Maurice has done, is just you've allowed them, given players opportunities. And allowed him to go through some tough times. And mm-hmm. I think you could even point at Connor Hellebuck for that, right? Last year he played a lot of games that things didn't go all so well for him. And then on the offseason, we've talked about this many times, but is that, you know, you bring in Steve Mason, it looks like he's number one. But maybe that was that little extra push that Connor Hellebuck needed to go through that. Now he's learned this year to play a lot of games. He's allowed to, he's learned how to rest when he needs to. He's figured out what days he has to take off. And now, He's ready to bounce back consistently. And then, you know, you go to guys like Dustin Bufflin, who they didn't play a lot, didn't play him heavily throughout the year, but now they're, that extra energy that he has now is because they didn't have to play him 26 to 27 minutes uh, every night throughout the regular season, too. So there's just a lot of learning that goes into this. And the fact that they have so much depth, and I'm not just talking up in the NHL, I'm talking down to the Manitoba Boosty. American Hockey League that they've had numerous times they call guys up and that's organizational depth that take a long time to build up and impatience to have that and now it's starting to pay off in 2017-2018. So do you feel like long term and as long term as you can get like in Toronto we're looking a couple years down the road here for yeah. salary cap trouble like law for, for the next couple years are they in good salary cap space? Yeah, they they have some tough decisions to make, right? There's mm-hmm. lots of guys coming off their entry level contract, and uh, I'm talking about Josh Morrissey. You know, it's a, a silent assassin, I call him. A lot of teams don't really appreciate our fans don't appreciate what Josh Morrissey is. They got a decision to make on Jacob Truba, and then next year is Patrick Laine's last year of his entry level contract too, right? And you know, we we all know what 40 goal scorers are, are you know charging nowadays, and who knows what he'll. Um, Command after uh, after his next year of the final the third year of his entry level contract too. So Kevin Shoveldayoff and company have some tough decisions to make, but that's why you got to look down uh, organizationally through into Manitoba. What guys are ready to come up next year? And, and there's and there's lots of guys that have proven that they can do that. Uh, you look just at Jack Roslevic, a young guy that was an American Hockey League All Star, called up right before Christmas and has stayed with the National Hockey League team throughout this year because. 
Uh, Matthew Perot has had a tough time staying healthy this year. Um, just veterans like that, and guys have proven that uh, throughout the season um, coming up uh, from the American Hockey League, and uh, that's where the Jets have to be really happy when they do and when that time does come, Andy, that they have to make a tough decision because of salary cap reasons. Yeah, and if you get those call-ups, that's value buy on the contract side. So that's yeah, uh, that's 100%. great for the Jets. Uh, in conversation with Jamie Thomas from Jets TV on Twitter, at Jamie Thomas TV on the dominoes.ca delivery line here on TSN Hockey Analytics. So you're around the team daily this whole season, Jamie. The, the demeanor that they've developed, this team, the essence, do you think it, it – what – combines it is it is it from Paul Maurice is it from leadership like Dustin Bufflin like what type of of personality or what what drove this team do you feel to the success that it had this season I think 100% it's it's uh, Blake Wheeler and uh, he may be gruff on, on certain days but he's all business on game day and I think with watching what he did this year moving from uh, right wing to center when Mark Scheifling was hurt I think that showed a lot of guys man this guy you know, wants to win so badly, he'll he went into the coach's office and said, I, "I'll play center if you need me to." And uh, they just kind of followed his lead. And then Mark Shifley falls behind Blake Wheeler. And then if those your top two best players are, you know, going out every day and practicing hard and and playing hard every night and doing it all over again the next day, um, I think that that rubs off on a lot of people. So I, I would point to Blake Wheeler. I've really grown to appreciate his leadership ability uh, with his hockey team. It's a very young team, so uh, for him to lead that way and for guys to follow says a lot about what Blake Wheeler is here in Winnipeg. I think that's a great point, Jamie, because you hear so often, okay, character guys, you know, fourth-line grinder has the heart, and, and mm. I, think, I think that only goes so far in general. But when you have your stars put in the work and lead by example, mm-hmm. I think that goes a lot farther because it's not just, okay, this dude's a good good guy on the fourth line. No, these are the stars, so I have to keep up to live up to that because they are the best, right? And it also helps too that you, if you're not performing, you know there's uh, there's a four or five guys in the American Hockey League that will come up yep. and play if you're not playing well too. So this year showed that more than anything. I know, you know, earlier on the Jets were dodging the the injury bug, but they got up over 300 man games by the end of the year. So that that says to me, you know, they the guys know there are a million people behind me that will play and, and can fill in my minutes insufficiently. So. They're not going to take a night off. And that, again, that ties into Wheeler 100%. And it's, it's, it's you, as a member of the media, it, does he give you the best? Is he, is he gruff sometimes with you? Yes. But when he, if you ask the right question, he gives you a great answer. Hmm. And then the most important thing, it doesn't matter what he does for us. It's what he shows the guys behind him. And I think, I've, uh, again, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, I've grown to respect his leadership ability. He's read books on leadership, which you have to respect even more hmm. uh, in that aspect, too. So uh, he's taken this captain thing very seriously, and I think a lot of guys have, have noticed that. And, and he's a guy I would not want to let down. And I, I don't play for the guy. I don't play with him. But I've, I've seen that, and I think but his attitude, I would look at and go, man, I, I don't want this guy mad at me at any point because uh, he'll, he'll, he'll talk to you if, if you're not doing your job. Well, and it's, it's not a given, too, as we've seen in well, Name the Market. When a guy gets the C, sometimes it changes you. Dion Phaneuf, perfect example in Toronto. It, just, it, 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 yeah. it can collapse you. And not everybody can rise to the occasion, Jamie, but it seems like that, that this guy has. Yeah. Another good example, too, man. Like he just Even when Shifley was hurt, he was playing center. 
Uh, he had Patrick Line on one wing and then Kyle Connor another. You got a couple guys who are under 22 as your wingers and you're 31, right? And mm-hmm. uh, you know uh, he had to buy into what the Jets were doing. You know Kevin Shevelday off and Paul Maurice had to talk to Blake Wheeler. Are you know this is what we're doing? We need you to buy in. And I'm sure you know anybody that he, and he's mentioned that before. You know you're, you're wondering in your 30s when you're going to win again because it's been so long here. He had to buy in, and then he has to sell it to the rest of the guys too with his attitude. And no doubt about, I know winning makes that easier for you to sell that 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 uh, the what they're selling here. But uh, it has to come from him, and I think I can't state enough just how great a job he's done. And I think you know you could say Connor Hellebuck was instrumental for for them to get to, and he was. But I think it all starts with the guy buying. The captain saying, "Okay, um, I believe in what they're doing here. I see something building." And he said that before the season started. And lots of guys say that when they come to camp. I think we have something special here. But I think Blake Wheeler truly believed it, and you can see why now that all this is they are where they are. And yes, they're a long ways away from a Stanley Cup right now, but they have to feel pretty good about what's going on right now, and then also going forward. No doubt. And last one, real quick for you here, Jamie uh, Travis Yost from TSN. Say in the first segment. He picked the Jets to get to the Stanley Cup final. I know you. I know you might yeah. be a little bit biased, but how do you feel yeah. the rest of the Jets season is going to play out? Yeah, you know what, man. It's just. I think what we. It's great to see what happens. Nashville is such a good hockey team, mm-hmm. and it's such a good challenge for Winnipeg because we've seen so many different things. Jets, had, you know, hadn't played a double overtime game yet as a, as a franchise, and a lot of the guys uh, on the roster had never played in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, overtime game, so that's out of the way. That's the experience. Now they lose for the first time in 13 games on home ice. They haven't lost on home ice since February 27th. Wow! You know you get that experience, and it's you know it, it's been a new challenge every day, and realizing that you have to continue doing what you did well to succeed. And I think the Jets have uh, have done that. So to to say that they are a Stanley Cup favorite is is easy to say, but it's there's it's a big challenge in front of them with Nash. So uh, if, if they get past Nashville, I would not be surprised to see them get to the Stanley Cup final. Well, it is going to be a fun rest of the ride. Enjoy it, my friend. We'll talk to you soon. You bet you, Andy. Anytime, my friend. That was Jamie Thomas from Jets TV on Twitter, at Jamie Thomas TV. Also knows his NFL stuff and pro wrestling, too, folks, if you're looking to dabble in those topics as well. You can hit up Jamie. We're going to take the break, and on the other side, it will be James Harding from NHL.com and DraftKings with some fantasy hockey talk on the Season 4 finale of TSN Hockey Analytics. Get the meaning behind the numbers and more. This is TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050, the voice of hockey. Across to the top of the right circle, Carlson, back to the middle. Theodore to the left, out in front, Smith denied, rebound, score! Alex Cut! 2-0 Vegas, five minutes into the second. Welcome back to TSN Hockey Analytics here on TSN 1050 Toronto, across the TSN Radio Network. Follow us on Twitter at TSN Analytics at AndyMC81. I am Andy McNamara, season finale, season four already, folks. Can you believe it? Wow. And we're going to help... Continue the show. Fantasy hockey as he's been all year. He's back from his Florida Odyssey. James Harding from NHL.com and DraftKings to help us out in your NHL fantasy pools, DraftKings contest, what have you. James, how's it going, bud? You know, I must have brought the warm weather back with me from Florida because it was 80 degrees when I was down there, and it's 86 in New York right now, so I'm a pretty nice. happy guy right now. And it's golf weather. The, yeah, exactly. It's turning again to golf weather, but it is very much still 
hockey season as well. So let's get to stock up, stock down. All right, James, let's begin with stock up. Give me two players who fantasy-wise we should be looking out for this weekend. Yeah, number one uh, fantasy player for stock up heading down to uh, Nashville for for this one, Austin Watson. Um, Pulling this name out there so far, eight points in the playoffs right now through ten games. Uh, He has one goal, nine shots on goal in four games in the series against the Jets. Uh, He's skating on the third line there with Colton Sissons and Nick Benino. He he was, you know, an underrated performer in the regular season, wasn't really a huge, uh, you know, producer of points, but he was always just a solid mid-value player. And those are the kind of players right now that you really need to look at and target with such limited rosters, especially such limited player pools in the DFS uh, categories, you know, in the standard uh, salary cap categories. So I I like a guy like Austin Watson right now. He's playing with a lot of confidence. That series is just a phenomenal series. Everybody's, you know, stepping up and playing hard. So uh, I like where Austin Watson is right now, and, and I definitely like him as a value play this weekend. The other value play that I like, Andre Pallott, um, you know, back-to-back multi-point games in games two and three, skating on the second line there with Tyler Johnson and Braden Point uh, in Tampa Bay. Um, you know, he, he started to come on really strong at the end of the regular season, playing on that line with Point and, and Johnson when they reformed the top line with uh, Miller, Kucherov, and Stamkos there. So, um, you know, I love the depth scoring that Tampa Bay has, and, Palat has always been kind of a power play, I mean, a, a playoff performer. He always steps up around this time of the of the year, so it's never a bad thing when you can put a guy like Andre Palat in your lineup. No, no doubt. So those are two guys to watch. Who are a pair of stock downs who we should be avoiding in our fantasy hockey lineup? Yeah, stock down, uh, number one guy, Kevin Fiala from the Predators right now. Um, when you look at, at what he did, he had uh, a goal – in game one and game two in Winnipeg, but then in game three, only saw just over 12 minutes of ice time and only had one down and goal. It ended up getting him scratched in favor of Scott Hartnell in game four. Um, You know, there's not a lot to to trust with a guy who, you know, scores a goal in back-to-back games and then two games later is scratched for whatever reason. So, you know, whether or not, the coaching staff down in Nashville is just trying to send a message, trying to, you know, light a fire or something like that. But um, I'm not trusting a guy who was skating on their second line games one, two, and three, and then is scratched for an undisclosed reason in game four uh, until I really see him come out and prove something there. And you look at his playoff stat line, I mean, only has four points, three goals, one assist right now. Um, you know, he had 23 goals and 25 assists in 80 games during the season. So you just sit there and you kind of look and say, I, I really wonder what's going on with, with a guy like him. He's a moderately priced player, you know, mid-value in the high four, low 5,000. So, you know, when you're talking about a player like that, it's a significant investment in a salary cap league. So, you know, definitely avoiding uh, Kevin Fiala and then uh, heading out west to the Nash, uh, to the San Jose-Vegas matchup. Uh, I'm not very high on James Neal right now. 
He's had a very up and down playoffs. Um, he has two multi-point games in the series, uh, one goal, three assists, 19 shots on goal. But outside of that, he only has six points in the playoffs. Um, so I'm not super high on James Neal out in Vegas right now. Um, you know that they've been a little streaky in this series against the Sharks, and uh, Neal definitely has to be, you know, kind of one of those cog players that they they build on. And I'm just not seeing it at the moment. So that was stock up, stock down. James Harding from NHL.com and DraftKings joined me on the Dominoes.ca delivery line. And folks, as James said earlier, it actually feels like spring outside, and that means you need to take care of your lawn. Go with my guys at Neutralon this season. I signed up for my second year with Neutralon. Their weed control and lawn health system is the best I've seen, the best I've had. Sign up now and get your first application free. First one's free. Visit Neutralon.com today and get started. N-U-T. T-R-I-Lawn.com. Go at Neutralon. All right, James. So after stock up, stock down, we look at kind of this is the this season finale of the show. So we have to project a little bit and kind of look back at the playoffs so far. Who's been your fantasy MVP thus far in the Stanley Cup playoffs? You know, there are a lot of guys to choose from, um, and it's always obvious to go with a guy who has the most points. But in this case, uh, I think that's got to be what we do, and that's Jake Gensel from the Penguins. Yeah, man. I mean, you look at you look at what this guy is doing for them right now. He's he's carrying them, playing on that top line with with Sid. He has uh, he had two goals and seven shots on goal in their win in Game Four against the Capitals on Thursday. Um, like I said, he's skating with Sidney Crosby and Patrick Hornquist on their first line. He leads the NHL playoffs right now with 21 points, 10 goals, 11 assists. He has points in nine of his 10 playoff games, and six of those games are multi-point outings. So, you know, when you when you look at what he's doing right now, the level of production, three of the four games against the Washington Capitals, he's had multi-point games in. So, you know, when you look at what he's doing, um, if they somehow – continue this run and they go on and win their third straight Stanley Cup. If he keeps it up, I don't know how you can not give him the playoff MVP trophy right now, but from a fantasy perspective, he's absolutely killing it right now, and, and he's easily the guy who takes the cake in that category. He's lighting it up, no doubt. And real quick, James, uh, your biggest fantasy disappointment, someone you, th- you thought we'd be getting more out of. Yeah, when you looked at his regular season, he was almost a 30-30 guy, 29 goals, and 32 assists. And that's Victor Arvidsson down from the mm. from the Predators. Only six points right now uh, through the playoffs in in ten games, and his only points in the series right now against the Jets were a three point game in Game Two. So I'm not really seeing a whole heck of a lot out of Victor Arvidsson right now. He's getting a lot of shots on goal, 17 shots in in four games in that series, but um, the production level is just not there right now. You know, he's he's down, and, and another guy would probably be Patrick Laine, too. I know he scored uh, a goal in, in Game 4 uh, the other night in Nashville, but that's only his third goal of the playoffs right now. Uh, he does have, I think, four assists or four points in, in the series, but when you look at the goal-scoring totals that Laine had during the regular season, um, especially against Nashville, he always played well against them in the regular season, uh, it just hasn't been there right now, but um, I'd say Victor Arvidsson is a little bit more disappointing. His level of production uh, against Nashville, is, uh, against 
Winnipeg for Nashville this series. Well, Arvidsson might have been disappointing, but you did not all season long, James. Thank you so much all year, and we look forward to having you on again for some great fantasy advice next season on TSN Hockey Analytics. No, I can't wait. I'm looking forward to it, buddy. That was James Harding from NHL.com and DraftKings on Twitter at jharding underscore hockey. He joined us on the dominoes.ca delivery line. After the break, hey, we're going to wrap up season four of the show with Heroes and Zeros from Scott Cullen on tsn.ca. That's coming up next. Back for Kalorn, right circle. Kalorn. Right corner, center, he score, 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 it's in, and they've got it off of Berlin, but it's in, the Lightning win it, 4-3 in overtime, they lead the series 3-1. Back to wrap up season four of TSN Hockey Analytics here on TSN 1050 Toronto across the TSN radio network. I'm Andy McNamara. What a year it's been. Follow us on Twitter at AndyMC81, at TSN Analytics. And we welcome in on the Domino's delivery line, Scott Collins. Scotty, how's it going? We're, one more time, buddy. One more time with feeling. It's all good, Andy. That's right. Okay, hey, you know what? Let's get right to it. It's time for the best, best. and worst of the NHL this week. Hockey analytics, heroes, and zeros with Scott Cohen and Andy McNamara. Okay, heroes and zeros time. Uh, Scotty, we begin with Philippe Forsberg, who in this Winnipeg series, one goal, five assists, looking pretty good. Yeah, not bad. You know, the, and, and here's the thing is that Forsberg, uh, putting up points, uh, better than a point per game in the playoffs, which is great. Had some highlight reel goals in the first round, also great. Uh, but the thing that, I, you know, I'm kind of pointing out here, he's generating shots uh, yeah. of over four and a half per game um, in – in, in the playoffs, and, and you know that's that's star type uh, performance. And when, when you're able to generate that many chances, um, you know it, it sort of backs up all, all the the numbers that he's put up. You know the the fact that he's scoring goals um, is just he, he's not really riding percentages. He's doing it because he's generating that many chances. And so, uh, like I, I think you know those of us who have uh, been paying kind of close attention know that Philip Forsberg is a star. But I think the casual fan. Um, you know, may may not quite be on to him yet in in that regard. You know, they might know who he is. You know, sure. the team went on a cup run last year, but uh, I think you know we we can shout it from the rooftops that uh, Philip Forsberg is a star. Oh no, no doubt. And the second hero uh, should not be surprising. It comes from the Vegas Golden Knights because why not? Uh, Jonathan Marchessault. Yeah. That's right. Uh, you know, before before we sign off for the year, may as well give another nod to uh, uh, the Golden Knights and, yeah, and Marchessault. Uh, also productive like Forsberg, uh, but in this series against uh, against San Jose, you know they're getting Marcheseau is getting 61% of the shots, 60% of the scoring chances, and and like that's outrageous and dominant. But it's also their line isn't sneaking up on anyone anymore, right? If right. you're San Jose and you come into that series, the line you know you have to stop is Marcheseau, uh, Carlson, and Smith, and they're still dominating. Um, in the head-to-head against San Jose. And so, you know, one, one more time with feeling for Jonathan Marchessault. Yeah, and that whole line. And, it, Scotty, at the beginning of the year, if you would would have list off those those three names on a line, it's not like it would have uh, shed fear, right, in the in the eyes no, of the opponents. Kind of you go, well, there's uh, some good players there. Marchessault had a good year in Florida, but, you know, we don't have a long track record with those yeah. guys. And, keep doing and, it. You know, put them together and they just exploded. They keep doing it. Okay, so those are the heroes. Now to the zeros. Riley Nash, 
goes the way. And, and Scotty, this isn't uh, just in the Tampa Bay series. This goes back to the opening series against Toronto. Dude just has one assist. Come on. Yeah, well, and here's the thing is that during the regular season, that uh, third line in Boston, Riley Nash with Danton Heinen and Dave Backus, was, I think, massively underrated. You know, they get uh, overshadowed because of the other stars on the Bruins. And, and so they were a, a big part of the Bruins' success during the regular season. Uh, but then late in the year, Nash um, had, like, a, a bad injury around his year. It took, like, 30 stitches to close. So he missed some games at the end of, um, end of the regular season and at the start of the playoff. And basically he hasn't, you know, hasn't been able to get it going since he returned. Um, as you say, the, the point production isn't there. But in this series against Tampa Bay, getting 31% of shots, 25% of scoring chances. I mean, the Bruins are just getting caved in with Riley Nash on the ice, and that's, that's not what was happening during the regular season. No, no. And the final zero goes to 37-year-old Paul Martin. Amazing to think he's been around that long. But 37 years old, Paul Martin in the zero column. Yeah, and he, he had an interesting year in, the, in that he, you know, he was injured, uh, and, and there were lots of reports, actually, about the Sharks uh, wanting to trade him. Uh, and, you know, basically couldn't find any takers because he got a pretty healthy contract. And, um, and so he ended up spending time in the AHL because the Sharks were like, well, if you're going to try and play, you're going to have to get up to speed. And mm-hmm. so he had to go to the AHL. And, and then when he played for the Sharks late in the regular season, he was reasonably effective. You know, not, not playing a huge role, but, you know, you could you'd get by with Paul Martin. Uh, and now you get him out there in this series against, uh, against Vegas, and, and it's been trouble. Um, uh, you know, for for the Sharks because, uh, you know, as, as we say, 37-year-old Paul Martin, look, Paul Martin for a lot of years was a really great skater. Sure. Uh, he's not quite as fast anymore. <laughs> and, and, you know, it got exposed. Uh, you know, not not only, uh, you know, he, he has 43% of the shots, been outscored 5 nothing in the series, but I think the one that kind of stands out to everybody is that overtime goal um, where he got caught in, in neutral ice when William Carlson took off. Uh, took the pass from James Neal, and, and everybody kind of went, where is Paul Martin going? And, and they're not, he's not going to catch up. And, and that's sort of, uh, I guess, the the story of Paul Martin in, in the second round of the NHL playoffs. Right. <laughs> All right, so that was the final Heroes and Zeros of Season 4 for TSN Hockey Analytics. On the line with Scott Cullen from tsn.ca on Twitter, at TSN Scott Cullen. He joins me, courtesy of the Dominoes.ca delivery line and folks. Get your pizza this weekend. Watching the games, get a large four four topping for eleven ninety nine or a medium feast pizza for ten ninety nine. Don't forget those side dishes like boneless chicken and pasta and marbled cookie brownie for dessert. Check it all out at Domino's.ca. Uh, Scotty, you have on your statistically speaking column, which you can find Monday to Friday on TSN.ca, under the heroes column, Jake. Gunsel, and he's gotten a lot of love the last two years on this program in the playoffs. Scotty, this guy's next level. My goodness. No, it's, <laughs> What's happening? As I said, this, this Gensel stuff is getting ridiculous. Yes. <laughs> I mean, like, we, we, we've been, you know, supporters of Jake Gensel for a long time. He came up and was, and was really good right away for the Penguins last year. But, um, come on now. We, we all thought this would, would uh, you know, peter out. And, and, look, he had an okay regular season. It, was, it wasn't a, a world beater by any means. And so, you know, they, they get him back on, on Crosby's line late in the season and into the playoffs. And, you know, he's just taken off again. You know, he, he leads the playoffs in scoring. And uh, among players that have played 25 playoff games, active players who have played 25 playoff games, uh, Jake Gensel is far and away the leader in goals per game at uh, 0.66 goals per game. Um, I, I, I believe second place goes to Mike Camilleri, who's at 0.53. But, it, like, it's just it's ridiculous. So you, you, you have this guy who is, 
you know, his, his first two NHL playoffs, he's had, um, you know, these monster uh, performances. And, you know, I, I think, you know, it's, e- it's easy to say, oh, you know, you're playing with Sidney Crosby. Well, there are a lot of guys who play with Sidney Crosby. They don't put up numbers no. like this. No, they don't do that. Uh, and last one for you here, Scotty. We asked Travis Yost off the top to pick his two Stanley Cup finalists from the East and from the West. Who do you have finishing well, up in the finals? Yeah, com- coming into the uh, the playoffs, I had uh, Nashville and Boston. <laughs> it, it's not going to be an easy road if, if it's going to happen, <laughs> but I may as well stick with them. Okay. Um, but look, and, and this is, I, I took them knowing that that the second round was going to be a doozy for them if they, you know, if they got through, because you know Nashville getting Winnipeg to me like that that's probably the two best teams, oh, <laughs> and. Sure. Uh, and then Boston and Tampa Bay, they might be the next two best teams. So uh, that, that's not exactly, uh, you know, ideal for fairness and so on to have the meeting this early. But uh, if if my uh, my picks of the Bruins and Predators can somehow manage to get through the second round, I like their chances to make the final. And it's funny because Travis Yost off the top picked Tampa Bay and Winnipeg as his two finals. Of course he did. <laughs> well, but I mean, th- what we've learned here is obviously t- Travis is wrong. Of course. And, and so, so we'll. Uh... <laughs> we we can we can let you two have it out on Twitter. I, I, I hope I at least get one right. Then. <laughs> exactly. Well, Scotty, listen, man, you bring it every single week, and I always appreciate you taking the time for us. Thank you so much. Hey, thanks for an awesome year, Andy. That was Scott Cullen from TSN.ca. Again, got to follow him on Twitter at TSN Scott Cullen and check out his work every Monday to Friday on TSN.ca. Okay, folks, that's it. Season four in the books. I want to thank you all so much for supporting the show. The downloads, the follows on Twitter at TSN Analytics at AndyMC81. This show exists solely because of you guys, and that is not an exaggeration. Thank you so much. Producer Sean Lavery. What what a treat to work with this year. This guy's a pro's pro and doesn't get nearly enough credit uh, behind the scenes. He does a lot. So thank you to all of you. Thank you to Sean. And we'll be back. Season 5 will be here before you know it. Enjoy the rest of the Stanley Cup playoffs. And one last time, you've been listening to TSN Hockey Analytics. I'm Andy McNamara on TSN 1050.